0: Welcome to the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church podcast, your place for positive, uplifting messages of hope. To learn more about the church, feel free to drop by fredericksdachurch.org. This is part two of a two-part series about finding peace in the storm. Pastor Quintana helps us understand that by following through on God's instructions, we can find true peace for our lives, no matter what we may be going through. How many of you here this morning are seeking peace? Peace. I don't have to show your hands, but okay, there we go. That, that's what I thought. <laughs> Most of us, if not all, we're seeking peace. We want peace. Whether it's the, from the external battles that we fight day by day. Whether it's peace from the political unrest of our country. Whether it's peace in our finances. Uh, Whether it's peace uh, worldwide, whether we all seek peace, whether it's from the external battles or perhaps some of the internal battles. Peace in our marriages, peace in our relationships. Perhaps we're seeking peace from relationships past. We're all seeking peace. We all want to experience that peace that the Bible talks about, the peace that surpasses all understanding. Now, the interesting thing about this peace we seek is that it doesn't mean all the troubles go away. It doesn't mean all the problems go away. No, we still have to sit down at the table and and perhaps wrestle with one another of how we're going to figure things out. How we're going to pay the bills or how we're going to treat each other to get along a little bit better. But what I'm after here is that peace that you can experience through the storm the peace that you can experience through the trials through the fires that's what i'm after here so i'd like for you to turn in your bibles to first samuel chapter 15 first samuel chapter 15 first samuel chapter 15 starting with verse 1 First Samuel chapter fifteen, starting with verse one. Now, when I was in preaching class at the Southern, uh, they always told us, they taught us that you never want to read as much as I'm going to read today. <laughs> so I'm just giving you a heads up because you're going to be tempted to kind of fade away, you're going to be tempted to not pay attention, you're going to be tempted not to follow along, but I hope you've brought your Bibles, and if you haven't brought your Bibles, reach in front of you in the pew, there'll be a Bible, uh, because we're going to read quite a bit today, and I just kind of want to warn you, and I just want to ask you to please bear with me as we read from the Word of God together, First Samuel chapter 15, Verse 1. Now, what does your heading say on your Bible? What what does it say up there? Saul spares king. Agon. Anything else? Saul. Okay. He fights against uh, Amalekites. Anything else? Saul's second chance. All right? So here we are. we're talking about Saul, the king of Israel, and God gives Saul a command. So let's read together. First, Samuel, chapter 15, verse one. Samuel also said to Saul, "The Lord sent me to anoint you." King over his people, over Israel. Now therefore heed or listen to, obey the voice of the words of the Lord. Verse 2. Thus says the Lord of hosts. I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel. How he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek. And utterly destroy all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. I want you to destroy everything. Now, before we go on, there's a concern that I need to address. Because this is part of the reason why a lot of people have a hard time with the Old Testament. What's the deal here? Isn't God a God of love and grace and mercy? What's going on here? I can maybe understand battling with them. And if you win the battle, everyone goes on to their own, they go their separate ways. But why would God give a command to destroy, utterly destroy, annihilate the whole nation, both man and woman, infant, nursing child, everything, the poor sheep and ox and donkeys? Well, they haven't done anything, and a lot of us have a problem with that. And as a result, most of us fall into several categories. Some of us will do away with the Old Testament altogether. It just doesn't compute. I I just don't understand it. The God of the Old Testament is certainly not the God of the New Testament. And so we kind of do away with the Old Testament. And some of us fall into the category that we will use texts like this to disprove the Bible and disprove God. And how silly can you be? To believe in a God that on one hand shows mercy and grace, but on the other hand is destroying innocent people. Some of us, and I believe this is where most Christians fall, we have a problem with this, but we kind of just tuck it be at the back of our minds. We put it on the back burner. We really never address it. We just kind of go through it. We read it and we try and find the truth that we can relate to in the Old Testament. We believe in God. We believe in the Bible. So, I mean, we can't do away with the entire Old Testament. So we just kind of deal with it. I understand that this brings concerns and rightfully so. Questions. It it seems like there's a discrepancy in the character of God here. And so for a lot of us, we struggle with this. Let me just say that I know. The issue, I know the concerns that you may be going through right now as you read this. And I feel that as a pastor, I owe it to you to try and explain to you what's going on. Unfortunately, it's not going to happen today. (laughs) Because that's not what today's message is about. And so you're going to have to trust me on this. And we're going to have to put this on the back burner. and We're going to have to come to this at a later time, at a later date. And we will address what's going on here. We're going to address that. But I don't want you to miss the point, which is why I've addressed the concern. Because here's the deal. I don't want you, in this message, to focus on the details of the command... What I need you to focus on is on the fact that a command was given. Okay? I, I don't want you to focus on the, on the details or, or how that command went forth or how that command is to be carried out. What I need you to focus on is that a command had been given. Okay? So let's focus on that. Alright, so here we go verse 4 So Saul gathered the people together and hundred and, and numbered them in Telaim 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah and Saul came to the city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley verse 6 Then Saul said to the Kenites go depart Get down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. And Saul attacked the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. He also took Agag king of the Amalekites alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saw and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs and all that was good and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless, that they utterly destroyed. Now, what's wrong with this picture? What's wrong with this story? What's going on here that, that, that isn't right? Remember, don't focus on the details of the command. I want you to focus on the fact that a command had been given. And now, just a few verses later, we're reading that Saul did not Follow through with the commands that God had given. Saul had disobeyed. Saul went against the commands of God. Now, before you start pointing the fingers, before you start, before you pass judgment on Saul, before you pick up the stone to throw, it's important that we take a close look at our own lives, before we say, "Saw you dummy, what were you thinking? I mean, God gave you some pretty clear instructions. God gave you a pretty clear command of what he wanted, to do, wanted you to do. How dumb can you be that you didn't follow through with it? Well, well, before we get there, it's important for us to take a close look at our own lives. It's important that we look in the mirror and examine ourselves. Because how many times has God commanded us to do something and we don't follow through how many times have we heard specific directions from God whether through the word of God whether through personal study or whether through the pastor or a friend or a parent how many times have we heard from God and we decide not to obey It may be as simple as an impression that you may receive from the Holy Spirit to go to your next door neighbor and invite them to church or to the Christmas program or to some special event at the church. And you hear the Holy Spirit speaking to you. You hear the command coming from above. And instead of following through, you justify it some way and say, ah, no, they probably don't want to hear from me. How many times have we been impressed, have we been given a command that we know is from God to go to someone and perhaps ask their forgiveness? But we turn away and we justify and we try and maneuver things and and we say, oh, well, maybe God didn't really mean that. Take the Ten Commandments, for example. Pretty clear instructions as to what we should do. As to how we should live our lives. And yet, how many of us will turn and bear false witness? Perhaps at work or at home. We say things that aren't true. Maybe just to smooth things over. Maybe so that she doesn't get on my case. Or so that he doesn't find out the truth. How many times have we... How, how many of us are guilty of hearing from God specific commands, specific instructions... And we turn and we don't follow through with that with, with that command or that instruction. Take the Ten Commandments. Again, here you have thou shall not commit adultery or thou shall not murder. And, and before you just narrow it down to that, remember that Jesus kind of expounded on, on the Ten Commandments a little bit more when he said, even if you look at a woman lustfully, even if you think of your brother lustfully, With hatred, you have already committed adultery. You have already murdered. So before we pick up the stone to cast that saw, we first need to take a look in the mirror and see and examine our own lives and and realize that we are guilty of the same thing. Many times God has given us instructions. He's given us commands He's impressed us to do something, perhaps to serve at some office in the church, perhaps to lead out in some ministry. Perhaps he's impressed us time and time again that we should be returning a faithful tithe and offering. But yet we say, well, wait a second, starting in the new year or when I get a raise or when I get the new job or when I pay off the bills. Before we cast a stone, we have to realize that that we fall in the same boat. Many of us, most of us, shall I say all of us. When God gives us instructions, when God gives us direction, and yet we don't follow through with what God is asking us to do. We read on in verse 10. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying... I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel and he cried out to the Lord all night. How awesome it is for us to have a friend or a family member, perhaps a mom who grieves for us. Praise for us. Praise for God's direction in our lives. Praise for God's wisdom in our lives so that we can turn things around. Here, Samuel spends all night grieving. He spends all night praying for Saul. And in verse 12, we read So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel, saying Saul went to Carmel. And indeed, he set up a monument for himself. And he has gone on around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Saul. And Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Excuse me? Uh, What? Now... One of two things is happening here. Either Saul believes that, that Samuel doesn't know what's going on. You know, he's trying to pass, pass one by him. He doesn't know that Samuel knows the, the whole truth. Or he knows he has sinned, but yet he has convinced himself that he's done the right thing. Now there, before you pick up a stone, before you cast a stone, it's important for us to look in the mirror and examine our own lives. Because we, before we say, "Saw," what were you thinking? How many of us, maybe not in such a grand scale, but how many of us do the same thing? We, we either convince ourselves that what we're doing is enough, and so, why, God, has, is this happening to me now? Or we just simply say a right out lie. Try to smooth things over. Try to make things sound better than what they really are. And here, Samuel responds in verse 14 by saying, But Samuel said, What then is this bleating of the sheep in my ears? And the lowing of the oxen which I hear. See, apparently, <laughs> the sheep and the oxen weren't far away. Maybe around the tent. Maybe in the adjacent, you know, pen. Oh, Okay, wait a second. What is this stuff that I... What do I hear? I mean, you said you've performed all the commandments of God. You've you followed through with what God has asked you to do. But wait a second. Saw, what do I hear? And so, in verse 15, Saul said, They have brought them back from the Amalekites, from the people, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Pretty interesting take, huh? Pretty interesting take. On what Saul perceived. What he was asked to do. But did you catch that. One word in there. Did, did you catch that. Did, did you catch this. To sacrifice. To the Lord. Your God. T- to sacrifice to. Your God. Wait a second. My God. Maybe. H- how about our god certainly this is a window into saul's heart he says we have brought these back to make sacrifices to your god and let me just pause here for a second and say this that a barometer of where your relationship with god a barometer of where your relationship is with God is how easy or hard it is for you to obey him. Our response to God's commandments or instructions in our lives is a barometer of how close indeed our relationship With him is. You see, because if our relationship with him isn't together, isn't one, isn't strong, then when we are given instructions, when we are given a commandment, we're gonna fight it. We're gonna, we're gonna run away from it. We're gonna do it half-hearted. But when our relationship with him is one, when that covenant relationship with him is strong, when we hear from God to do this, to do that, to do the other, to sell all you have and give to the poor, to move to another country, to be a missionary, when we hear from God, if our relationship is like this, when we hear from God, no matter how hard the command, we will gladly Enter into that and gladly obey what he is asking of us to do. When our relationship with God is tight. When our relationship uh, with God is one. It doesn't matter how hard the command is. We will gladly obey. And go buy flowers for her. And bring it home. And say honey. I'm sorry, I failed you, I blew up, I got angry, forgive me. If our relationship with God is like this, it doesn't matter how hard it is. Okay, God, I trust in you. I'm trusting in you because my life is in your hands and, and you've asked me to return a faithful tithe. You've, you've asked me to, to return an, an offering. To help those in need who are in greater need than I. Okay God, I'll do it. I'll do it. But here we see a window into the heart of Saul. And all of a sudden we realize that his connection with God is far apart. And now we realize why it's hard for him to follow through with God's commands. Now we realize why this is so difficult for him to follow through with what God is asking him to do. And so, here we read in verse 16, Then Samuel said to Saul, Be quiet, and I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, Speak on. So Samuel said, When you were little, in your own eyes, Were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Exterminated is another word used there. I've given you, God gave you a mission. Verse 19, why did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you not swoop down? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. And gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me and and brought back. Agog, king of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people. God. I mean. It's no big deal. I mean we just took of the plunder. Sheep and oxen. The best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed. To sacrifice to the Lord. There's that window. There's that inside again. To sacrifice to the Lord your God here in Gilgal far away from where I thought you were, would be <laughs> oh, verse 22 so Samuel said has the Lord as great delight in burnt offering and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord behold To obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed than the fat of rams. I wish this morning we had time to go into here the difference of how Saul responded and how David responded. I I wish we had the time, but I I I throw that out there for you to contemplate And if you have time this afternoon, go read Psalms 51 and and you'll read how David responded when he had been caught in sin, when he had disobeyed God's commandments. And I wish we had time to go through that, but we don't right now. But verse 23 says, and this is Samuel still talking to Saul. He says, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Now, I need to point out something very, very powerful here. Very intriguing. That the word rebellion here is not used in the context of an all out rebellion. It's not used in the context of an all-out defiance of God. It is used here in the context of only going halfway. Only going halfway through the commands of God. And when you put it in those words, when you put it in that context... When I read this, as I was preparing, I couldn't help but to say, God, have mercy on me. And all of us here would probably echo those same words. Lord, have mercy on me. Rebellion as the sin of witchcraft. And God, I know in my life, I haven't gone all out for you. I haven't given you 100%. No, I pick and choose what I want to believe in. I pick and choose how I want to serve and and where I want to serve. I, I pick and choose, but I haven't been sold out for you. And this is the context in which Samuel says to Saul, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Now, how does this all relate to finding peace in our lives. How does this relate? I mean, pastor, I thought the sermon was on finding peace in the storm. You are way off track. All right, well, follow me here. Because in just a moment, I will explain it to you. Keep your finger in 1 Samuel because we're going to come back to that. But I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, starting with verse 15. Romans chapter 6, starting with verse 15, says this. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Certainly not, he says. Verse 16. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. So here Paul is making a distinction. He says, whoever you choose to obey to that entity, you become a slave too. Okay, now, I know that culturally and through the centuries, slavery is carrying a lot of baggage right now. And rightfully so. All right? It has some pretty bad connotations. And I want to be sensitive to that. But if, again, I'm going to ask you, can we just put our understanding of slavery behind us for just one second and try and focus and hone in on what Paul is saying here. He says, whoever you choose to obey, to that you become a slave too. If you choose to obey self, if you choose to obey the evil dictates of your own heart, if you choose to obey sin to that, You become a slave too. But now, the beauty. If you choose to obey righteousness. If you choose to obey God. If you choose to obey Him. Then to God, you become a slave. To God, you become a slave. And and I know that that might not compute quite right in your minds, but, but think of this. What better tax master to have than God himself, the creator of the universe, a master who doesn't load over you, but a master who calls you friend. What better master to have than one who says, I am a good shepherd That watches over you but the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And certainly in that relationship, folks, we find peace. And 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 just uh, follow me here real quick because Paul continues to go back and forth. He continues to argue on both sides of the aisle here regarding this uh, who you choose to obey. And 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 then he goes on in the next chapter to talk about the the battle raging in between, uh, within. And then in his conclusion in chapter eight, verse six, he says this: For to the carnally minded is death. But to the spiritually minded is life and peace. What does obedience have to do with peace? Last week, we talked about surrender. And we talked about how when you surrender your life to God, you find peace. Not so much surrendering the issue Or the problem, and there's certainly a place in life for those things. But but I want to, I want to look at the bigger picture here. I want to go a little bit deeper than just bringing perhaps your financial problems or perhaps the political unrest of the country. Besides just bringing those specific things to try and find peace in, in those specific areas in your life, when you bring your life And you surrender it to God and say, God, I am yours. I am in your hands. Whatever you want from me, here I am. Is when you find that peace that surpasses all understanding. It is when you find that peace that we all seek. Now, last week, I said those words in the context of communion. Because certainly... In practicing that that wonderful tradition that we hold dear here in our church of going and, and, and washing one another's feet. And, and then joining here together and partaking of the bread and the wine. certainly those, it is an opportunity for us to surrender our lives to him. Right? But you know what? We can't wait once a quarter to surrender our lives to him. We can't We can't wait once a quarter to do so. It is something that we must do day by day by day. And so I closed last week by saying, starting today, we're going to look at ways that we can surrender our lives to him daily. Ways that we can surrender our lives to him daily and find the peace that we seek. And here it is. Here it is. Obedience. When you obey God, you will find peace. Obedience to his word, obedience to his commandments, obedience to his instructions in your life, obedience to the promptings of the Holy Spirit in your life. When you obey, and listen, not half-hearted, when you go all in, and say, all right, if this is what you want me to do, I'm going to do it. When you sell out for God. And, and, and when you give your life to him. And you choose to obey him. You will find peace. You will find the peace that you seek. Let me just remind you. What happened to Saul. Do you remember what happens to Saul after this? The very next chapter, David is anointed king of Israel. And unfortunately, Saul did not grasp it. He didn't learn his lesson. And so he continued, listen, continued to disobey God. He continued to go about things his own. He continued to seek his own. Read with me. Read with me here. 1 Samuel chapter 15, here starting with verse 30. This is how Saul responds to Samuel. Then he said, I have sinned, yeah, I have sinned, yet honor me now. What? Yet honor me, please, before the elders of the people, before the elders of my people, he says, and before Israel. And return with me that I may worship the Lord, your God. Where's the focus here? The focus is still self. When you look at the response of David, on the other hand, when he was confronted with his sin, what did he do? Read Psalms 51. A broken heart. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Help me to obey. Help me to, to follow your ways. And, and here's the deal. Here, here's what I want you to remember. That when you obey, you will experience peace. Obedience brings peace. What happened to Saul? Eventually, what happened to him? We read in the very next chapter. How Saul couldn't even sleep at night. Saul couldn't even rest the battle raging on. And Saul, unfortunately, eventually, Saul went to his deathbed without having that peace that we all seek. All because why? He did not obey God. He chose not to put his life in God's hand. And so here, like last week, when we had an opportunity last week to give our lives to God, we have an opportunity today and in the days to come. Trust me on this. It's going to come to mind. You will have an opportunity to surrender your life, to surrender your life through obedience to God's word and God's commandment. What will you do? Will you surrender? My prayer is that you surrender and that you obey because in obedience we find peace. No matter where you are on your spiritual journey, Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church would love to help you along the way. They are a family-oriented, grace-filled church serving the Frederick, Maryland area. You can feel free to learn more about them at fredericksdachurch.org. For more podcasts, you can click on Sermon Audio.